Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going to be going over UFC Stockholm, which is headlined by Alexander Gustafsson against Anthony Smith. Uh, interesting fight. Don't really understand it. I guess they're both at the top of the division, but it's still going to be a compelling fight and something that I'm going to watch at 3 p.m. on a Saturday. So it's always good to have like afternoon fights. I love that shit. But we're going to be starting the shit off with the casuals with my man Big Rob. He's in the house. Yeah. No heart means no Robbie Woods. Nope. But... We'll get him back. No, no worries. Yo, we got a new name from for Robbie. What's it? Robbie Hollywoods. <laughs> I like it. He's yeah. forgetting about the little people. Yeah, I like it. I fucking like it. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I put that into the description whenever we have him back. Okay. Well, we got we gotta like bombard him with him too, eh? We I gotta fucking it. threaten him with it. <laughs> All right. So uh, this past UFC, which was almost two weeks ago now, uh, UFC Rochester had a highlight reel of fighter making his UFC debut. So I'm actually going to be showing Rob uh, his first ever UFC KO and then a quick highlight video of what this guy is actually possessing and what he's all about. Obviously, I'm talking about Michelle Pereira, uh, crazy motherfucker. Uh, let's just show how he made his splash on the UFC scene. It's at 3 minutes and 47 seconds of the first round. Let's just okay. get into it. Also, I had money on Michelle Pereira, so I got to rub that in. Um... Yeah. Oh, he's fast. Good little... He's unorthodox. Let's put it that way. <laughs> You'll see why very shortly. What? <laughs> <laughs> is this Street Fighter 2? Is this, is Pretty this much. Vega? This is Vega. <laughs> wow. Running, jumping off the cage, yeah, doing some breakdancing, and then just <laughs> flying knees. Wow. <laughs> So he rocked him with the flying knee, like you could see the guy kind of buckle, and then he just lands that straight right and just fucking puts that guy out. Look at it, look at him. <laughs> He's like sculpted out of fucking marble, dude. Watch this. Let's show the replay. He, he can balance on anything. Oh, yeah. Wow. That guy weighed 170 pounds at one point, like... 24 hours before this fight. He is massive. He's like six foot something. Like, shredded. <laughs> well, that's... There we go. That we is go. pretty cool. Boom. <sighs> See the guy kind of wobble? And then oh. just one more oh. shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see that again. Slow-mo. Slow-mo. Oh, you see the vibration, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and that picture-perfect right hand. Plants him on his ass. Head bounce off the canvas, too. Oof. Oh. Crazy. Yeah, he didn't. Crazy. There's no way he would have recovered. Like, you know, and that's the thing, too, is, like, I'm glad the ref stopped because no, sometimes he, they just keep going and going. He, and he did as like, well. Okay, like, yeah. He kind of, like, he was about to punch, and he kind of held back, and then he felt the referee, and he's like, all right, I'm cool. I but, really thought he was going to get one more hit in. So before he got to the UFC, he made his name on the local scene. So this is um, it's a five minute video. I'm not going to show you the whole thing, but we'll just watch a couple minutes okay. of it. It's called uh, "Best of Michelle Pereira MMA Highlights Acrobatic Fighter." It's on YouTube. Uh, I'm just going to show him the first like couple minutes or so. Like he is just, just ridiculous. Doing backflips yeah. And stuff. <laughs> no. So how, he, how does this guy not win all the time? Then? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> How right nuts down, was that? right. Up. How nuts was that one punch? This is so entertaining. 
That's not even half the shit. How, that how he's come more do. people don't do this? Just be as flashy and unorthodox. Like, it it could work, but he has lost fights too, right? Okay. So, so, so it's not the, maybe as strategic. Like, if you're very technical, you'll be able to like stay out of this guy's like wacky shit. Okay. And then just beat him up. Damn, he's huge oh, there. I've never God, seen that I one. Know. He's fucking massive there. Boom. This guy's different. Right hand. Yeah. He definitely is. That's great. Just his wacky, unorthodox nature in terms of like fucking wheel kicks and like cartwheel kicks and shit. Come on. Let's show us some more shit. And then all this stuff that he's doing, is it, oh, is, is it actually, is it helping him fight or is it a lot of just show kind of like... It's show-ish, okay. but um, like it worked out in his first fight. I don't know oh, how yeah. much it's actually going to help I think him. so. Jeez, this guy was out. Fuck. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, uh, so it worked in his first fight. I don't know how much it's going to work against the better guys. Whoa. Oh. It didn't work for him there. Not there. Pretty shoved off the takedown. Oh, shit. Oh. He, he uses his environment. Yeah. Like, he's not afraid he, to climb he the, bouncing, the yep. cage. Are you allowed to cl climb the cage? You're not allowed to hold the top. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> You're not allowed to hold the cage. You're okay. not allowed to grab the fence. You're not allowed to hold the top of the cage. But can you climb it with oh. your feet? Uh, you can't interlock your toes inside the fence. So you can push off it. Okay, so this that's what this guy's... Yeah. This guy's <laughs> the strength. Wow. Just the tumbles, the, the cartwheels. No fucks. Like, wow. he has no concerns. In the, what the Look at that. fuck was that? He's just jumping off the, the fence. Like, it's pack flips. Oh. And he's landing them. Oh, shit. He's, like, landing them flush, too. Like, even if he misses, like, he's sticking mm -hmm. the landing. Fucking crazy. Oh. Because you would think you're almost more vulnerable, but I think he catches oh. people off guard. Yeah. Like oh, he, he beat this guy now, I think. Oh, my Damn. Gosh. Impressive. This guy's nuts, eh? I can't wait to see him keep fighting, but again, I don't know how far he's going to be be able to really go. Okay, okay. Like his record, let's see what his record is. This guy's fun. Exactly. Isn't he like your new favorite fighter? Yeah. <laughs> Show me more Show of me this more guy. Show me more of this guy, yeah. Uh, his record currently sits at 23 and 9. Okay. So he's had a fuck ton of fights. Like, yeah, mm. he has some losses mm. sprinkled in there. But okay. he's been fighting since 2011. So okay. in eight years, he's compiled, what is that, 23, 32 fights? That's fucking nuts. Guys normally fight like three times a year. Okay. So just put that kind of into perspective as well. All right. So he likes to fight. He likes to fight. And it's fine. about fucking time he's made it to the UFC <laughs> just to show off that like wacky style. Mm -hmm. All right. That was a great fucking debut by Michelle Pereira. I'm glad to have introduced Rob's newest favorite fighter to Thank him. You. So I'll definitely keep you updated every time he fights. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I don't know when he's going to be awesome, back on the card, but he'll fucking, he's yeah. so fun to watch. Um, speaking of Michelle Pereira, UFC Rochester was a fucking hit. It might as well have been a flying knee for me anyway, because I hit every fucking bet. That's how fucking awesome it was. Um, Let's just kick it off. Like, I'm just going to go down my bet MMA page and I'm just going to break down these fights. Rafael dos Sanos. I had to settle for minus 112 uh, and then I sprinkled a little bit on minus 105. Um, 
I knew he was going to win this fight. Like, I was very confident he was going to win this fight. The only thing that kind of made me a little bit nervous was the fact that right at the beginning, or sorry, right when the fight was about to happen, the odds swung pretty heavily. Like, Rafael Desanos was going off at roughly a plus 120 underdog by the time the fight kicked off. And that was kind of discerning because... I fucking, I, I was waiting for the plus money on Dos Anjos, you know what I mean? Like that, he started off the week as a dog and then quickly changed to a, a favorite. Uh, and then I waited all the way up until pretty much weigh-in day uh, and still couldn't get that uh, plus money. So I felt I had to pull the trigger at minus 112 on Rafael Dos Anjos. Regardless, we still get the W. I'm completely happy about that. Uh, you know, I... I it, Say what you want about Kevin Lee, his you know his coaching issues and uh, his cardio issues and the whole fucking that Tony Ferguson staff infection issue, like you guys want to talk about. He does not have a good gas tank. Sure, people can say what they want to say about you know guys going up in weight and then cardio being a little bit better for them in that aspect. It could be true for some guys, but you can't automatically assume that it's going to happen for sure. So I think a lot of people you know who put money on Kevin Lee. And we're thinking that this guy is going to be, you know, his card is going to be better. So he's going to be able to grind out and put on this pace on Rafael Dos Anjos that, you know, Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman were successful in doing. However, Kevin Lee is just not that. Like, he came out like a bat out of hell in the four, first two rounds, which was kind of weird to me. I was like, okay, you know, you got five rounds of this shit, right? And Dos Anjos, I think beginning of the third round or the beginning of the fourth round, fucking perfect. Starts the round off with the flying knee, just lets him know. Yo, I'm fucking here. I am here for all five rounds. I see you sucking wind, but I'm not. I'm good. And it fucking paid off. Fourth round submission. Great win for Dos Anjos there. Um, you know, so in the end, I had 1.5 units at minus 112 to profit for 1.34 units. And then 0.5 units at minus 105 uh, for plus or 0.48 units. That is a, I'm not even going to do the fucking math on that shit, but profit, baby, profit. Uh, 89% ROI on the 1.5 units and then 95% ROI on the 0.5 units. So you do the fucking math. Uh, next up, we'll just go over my other, uh, or my two lock of the night plays. Um, Charles Oliveira uh, against Nick Lance fight does not go to decision. Once again, minus 260, call it juice. I don't give a fuck. We know that Charles Oliveira does not like going to decisions, whether he's the one getting the victory or he's the one uh, on the opposite side of the court or the the, the, the victory. <laughs> uh, we know it's not going to a decision. So um, five units at minus 260, profited 1.92 units, but that was easy fucking money. I had to jump on that. No problem about it. Uh, and then Desmond Green, I had five units at minus 500. We all know if you guys were following me that I actually had a parlay with him and uh, Vicente Luque. However, Luque, uh, that fight, he ended up fighting somebody else, um, Austin Hubbard. Uh, but before that, he was supposed to fight Neil Magny. Neil Magny pulled out right after I placed this bet. So I turned it into a straight bet, five units uh, at minus 500 on Desmond Green, profited one unit. I'll take it. It was still a win. Uh, next up, uh, dog of the night play, Michelle Pereira, 0.5 units at plus 221. I completely understand people's perspective and Danny Roberts being the more technical fighter in this fight uh, and, you know, being the guy that's probably going to be able to keep his, you know, minus P's and Q's the most. But when you have a wild man that throws with power, yes, I said power, and you guys just fucking saw it. Say what you want in the comments below. I don't give a fuck. But Michelle Pereira lands on Daniel Roberts, who's had shin issues in the past. And at plus 221, I thought it was a no-brainer that I had to take at least a 0.5 unit shot on that. So I did. And 
plus 1.1 unit profit on that shit. Dog of the night play comes through. Big win for Michelle Pereira. Big way to stamp his, uh, you know, make his stamp on on his UFC debut. Uh, and he's definitely on the radars of some people now. So it's going to be, I can't wait to see who he gets next. Um, I kind of threw this out to Tony as well. I think that he should be matched up with the Nordine Taleb type of guy. So, uh, you know, that would be a good fight for him to for us to see if he can really handle a guy that is very technical and, you know, has decent has a way better chance than Danny Roberts I should say so uh that should be a good matchup if they can that get that going uh what am I missing Michelle also I had 1.75 units on Michelle Pereira and Danny Roberts to not go to decision and it comes through for one unit uh and then lastly uh under two and a half rounds for megan anderson versus felicia spencer i thought it was going to be either megan anderson by ko or felicia spencer by submission or late submission i thought late submission however she gets it done real quick and that just shows you how shitty megan anderson is so bleh 1.25 units to profit one unit uh no brainer for me there so bomb fucking uh event here plus 7.84 units 51% ROI. Just keeping it rolling, baby. We got four straight events that we've just been killing it. I'm back in my groove. Finally, like, legit in the green. Uh, and I'm back at this event and I'm uh, for this Stockholm event. And I'm fucking excited because I see a lot of great spots. Initially, I thought I was only going to stick with my lock of the night play and my dog of the night play. However, once I saw these lines, studied a little bit more, uh, my eyes opened up to a lot more spots. So... I have a free bet out there that I will let you guys know about once I get to that fight. Um, but I also have uh, a lock of the night play, a dog of the night play, and two regular plays uh, already placed, posted on the website, mmalotn.ca slash picks. Make sure you guys check that shit out. Let's win some fucking money. I am looking at one more possible underdog here. Um, or sorry, not an underdog, but just a normal bet. Uh, the line is closing a little bit, so I want to see how much it closes before I pull the trigger. Uh, maybe you guys could guess it if you guys listen to this podcast closely and and see how much I'm t- on a certain fighter. <laughs> but um, I, I'm going to go... Uh, I'm definitely going to place at least one more bet. So that makes a total of... One, two, three, four, five. It will be six bets for UFC Stockholm. So make sure you guys hit the website up, show some support, um, and let's get some fucking money. All right. So uh, UFC Stockholm headlined by Alexander Gustafsson and Anthony Smith. Uh, right off the top, I said that it's a weird fight. Uh, you know what I mean? Corey Anderson was recently on the Joe Rogan uh, experience and talked about uh, his potential fight against Alexander Gustafsson, how, you know, the birth of his kid, Ugh. hashtag always tired, I don't know, man, <laughs> uh, regardless, um, yeah, Corey Anderson was talking about on the Joe Rogan experience that he could possibly be fighting Alexander Gustafsson, and then he was having a kid around the uh, earlier this year, so he wanted the timing to kind of work out better, uh, and then when he was finally down to like actually take the fight, uh, the UFC had said, okay, we're good, uh, and then the next day they announced Anthony Smith against Gustafsson, so I feel bad for Corey Anderson, because I think it's a more intriguing fight for him, it's that fight that will, you know, if he's able to beat a guy like Corey, An- or a guy like Alexander Gustafsson, that he's going to be really on the map of a lot of these, uh, of the, the mainstream media, and people are finally going to be talking about him a little bit more because he's been on a roll man he's been streaking you know so 
Um, he has wins like Glover Teixeira under his belt, Elir Latifi, uh, a guy like Alexander Gustafsson is the perfect name that you need to add to that belt to, or add to your, you know, add to your list of names or your list of victims, uh, to get that shot at the title. So Anthony Smith gets a quick chance at redemption. If he gets a win, win over Alexander Gustafsson here, maybe a fight against Corey Anderson is what should be next for like a number one contender type of fight. But, um, you know, we got John Jones against Thiago Santos coming up. Uh, we probably know how that's going to go. So we definitely need a, a contender waiting in the wings uh, after this Stockholm event. And you got you got one, two, three pretty um, significant fights in the lightweight or light heavyweight division, I should say. You know, you got Gustafson who's just coming off a title fight against John Jones. You got Anthony Smith, another guy who's just coming off a title fight with John Jones. Uh, Alir Latifi up there, Volkan Uzdemir up there, uh, who just lost a very close decision to... Uh, Dominic Reyes, uh, and then you got Alexander Rakic, who's on the fucking rise, and you got Jimmy Manoa hanging around out there, uh, who just re recently lost to Thiago Santos. So it's almost like a little bit of a mini light heavyweight Grand Prix going down at UFC Stockholm, and all these fights are very exciting, so I'm very much looking forward to them. Other fights that are intriguing to me that jump off the card, uh, Frank Camacho against Nick Hine, very intriguing fight there. Um... The debut of Sung Bin Jo, uh, just because stylistically, I think against Tamar, it's going to be a very intriguing fight. Uh, Hadzovic, I'm very impressed to see, uh, you know, his last performance and how he's going to continue to elevate his game. Uh, but yeah, again, Chris Fishgold as well is another guy I'm very intrigued by. Uh, and fighting a guy like Amir Makwana Amerikani, very interesting stylistic matchup. So a lot of big fights here. Uh, very excited to get into it for you guys and. Let's just fucking do it. Let's just get a let it. Bleh. Let's just get it going. All right, first fight is a fight that I will preface by telling you guys I have looked into these fighters zero. Um, I still intend on doing that th through this week, so uh, I highly recommend going to check out other people's uh, podcasts to get the uh, lowdown on these fighters. But I know that Joel Alvarez is coming off a loss to Demir. Is Magulov in his last fight? Very tough UFC debut for him, so it's good for him to get another fight right off the bat here. So I'm gonna go with Joel Alvarez. You know, I'm just gonna say that he already has that UFC jitters gone against like it's like hazing. It's like going into college and getting hazed right off the bat by here. Take the tough one of the toughest motherfuckers out there who nobody fucking knows. So it's not even like you can be like, hey, this guy lost to Is Magulov. Most fans are gonna be like, who the fuck is Is Magulov? But Eventually, Ismagula is going to have a name because that guy is a beast. Um, but right now, tough loss for Alvarez to kick off his UFC career. But I think he gets it back on track uh, against uh, Daniel Beluardo, whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to take Alvarez by decision. Next up, we got Devin Clark against Darko Stosic. I am kind of torn on, torn on this fight. I've been a big proponent of Devin Clark in terms of his um, his wrestling acumen. I think that he's a very strong guy, uh, but his chin has kind of been his issue here. Um, finished by Alex Nicholson, finished by Jan Blakovic by choke, and then absolutely demolished by Alexander Rakic. You know, he did have success. He dropped Rakic in that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, overall, that's a fight that he was. He just got fucking murked in. Uh, once uh, Rakic got his shit together. But not very impressed with uh, Devin Clark anymore. Um, 
I think he's on the downside. And this fight against Stosic uh, is going to be tough for him, I think. I think it's going to be tough for him to get Stosic down. Um, I think that Stosic is really going to be able to kind of light him up on the feet. Um, and I don't think Devin Clark's chin is really there. Uh, I need to look into this fight a little bit more. However, I do think with the, uh, with the work that I've put into this fight so far, I can confidently pick Darko Stosic to take this fight. Um, I think it's unfortunate for Devin Clark. Uh, and I think there's, wow, Stosic is actually going off at an underdog now too. He is all from roughly about minus 172 all the way down to plus 103. Wow, absolute skyrocket within the last hour or so since I started recording this podcast. Uh, so yeah, this is definitely a fight I'm going to look into a little bit more now with the odds being what they are. Um, interesting to see Devin Clark has the favor here, but my thoughts don't change. I mean, I think Darko Stosic is still going to have his fun on the feet. I think he'll be able to shuffle the takedowns uh, and then pro- uh, possibly finish Devin Clark in the first round. Next up is uh, the second fight that I have not looked into yet at all. Um, we got Bieta or uh, Bia Maleki against. Uh, Duda Santana, very minimal tape out there. Um, you know, I only have one fight uh, for Duda Santana on uh, the tape index. Um, and then we have two fights for Bia Maleki. You know, she lost her uh, in the Ultimate Fighter, the first round against Leah Letson. Uh, so she was out pretty early. It's interesting that she's getting a shot here. Um, you know, she's one of the only like true featherweights. She's one of the only true uh, featherweights that are out there. So I guess the division is pretty wide open considering Felicia Spencer absolutely destroyed the hype train of Megan Anderson. So they're going to need ladies out there. You know, Maleki 1-0, Duda 2-0. We'll see how they can grow up in the UFC with the thin, thin talent pool that they already have. And I forgot to change it. Look, whatever, it doesn't matter. I might as well have showed you guys fucking Stosich and Devin Clark on the slideshow here. <laughs> Uh, next up, we got Nick Hine against Frank Camacho, a fight that I've been closely monitoring, monitoring as well in terms of the uh, odds. It uh, looks like that Nick Hine is pulling away shortly, but it's still roughly out of pick so you're getting roughly minus 120 in certain pla- places with minus 110 being the return on Frank Camacho. Uh, still hasn't really hit plus money for Frank Camacho. Minus 101 is the best you're going to get at Pinnacle right now on Camacho. I think this is a really intriguing fight. So starting off with Nick Hine, uh, he's coming off a split decision loss to Demir Hadzovic. I thought it was a unanimous for Hadzovic. Uh, and then before that, w- completely got out grappled and then choked out by Davy Hamosh. Um, so tough tough stretch for Nick Hine here. Um, you know, taking on a guy in uh, Frank Camacho who's finally coming down to 155, w- which should be a very intriguing uh, look for him. You know, he doesn't seem like the most chiseled guy out there, so I think he has some weight to drop there. Uh, but that's 15 pounds, you know. You're going from 172 to 155. I'm very intrigued to see how that's going to look on him. Um, I, I'm going to give Frank Camacho the edge in terms of power and striking. Um, you know, Nick Hine does have good striking uh, or decent striking, but I gotta give Frank Camacho the the edge here, uh, especially with the power that he carries. And even though Nick Hine hasn't really been uh, like knocked out, um, he has shown that he can get rocked. You know, Demir Hadzovic really put it on him uh, in that third round, almost finished him. And I think that with the power that Frank Camacho has, uh, he might be able to put out Nick Hine as well. So earlier this week, I was kind of leaning uh, Nick Hine. Uh, 
However, I'm slowly shifting towards Frank Camacho. Um, will I bet it? I don't know yet. Um, it's something that I'm going to have to look into a little bit harder. I am leaning Frank Camacho, and I'm going to pick him to win, uh, especially with him being an under, like close to an underdog now. Uh, I think there's definitely value on Frank Camacho there. The only issue here, though, is, again, him coming down, uh, him getting absolutely flatlined in his last fight against uh, Jeff Neal. But normally he has a pretty good chin. So I don't know if Nick Hines is going to be able to, to carry the amount of power that it's going to take to crack Frank Camacho. But I think the fact that he's coming down in way two is another bit of you know possible concern uh, with Frank Camacho. So I'm going to pick Frank Camacho. But with the external factors of the weight cut and his last fight being such a devastating loss, um, it might keep me away from from it. But I don't know. I don't know yet. I got to see how this week goes. Uh, but I'm going to pick Frank Camacho to win. I'm going to pick him by knockout as well. I think he's going to take the second round KO over Nick Hine. Next up, we got Stevie Ray against the returning Leonardo Santos. Most people will know Leonardo Santos for being one of the last guys to beat Kevin Lee, but Kevin Lee has now come on hard times. Like I said in our Combat Sewers episode, um, you know, he's one in three in his last four fights, so Kevin Lee's definitely come on hard times. But before, you know, he really started to explode, uh, Leonardo Santos was one of the first guys to finish him. Uh, Kevin Lee was 11-1 at the time uh, and then finally got his second loss to Leonardo Santos due to punches, which is the weird part you know Leonardo Santos is a world world championship jiu-jitsu player um so a lot of people thought his success would come on the ground against Kevin Lee however he got this fight finished on the feet in the Adriano in the Mar ugh, in the Adriano Martins fight you know he won a split decision there uh but it still leaves a little bit to uh like you you still want to see more from him and it's unfortunate you know he he seems like he has a lot of potential However, he's sitting at age fucking 39 now, so he's pretty old up there. Um, he hasn't fought since October of 2016. That's the last time we saw Dan Henderson in the cage, and that's when Michael Bisbing actually retained a title that he was defending. So both guys retired now. It's insane that that was the last time that Leonardo Santos fought. So he was scheduled to fight Olivia Albamercier in uh, June of 2017. That didn't go down. He was scheduled to fight Nick Lentz in June of 2018. That didn't go down, and now here he is again once and once again in June. This is weird. He's done like June, 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 June. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't pull out of this one because there's still like four days to go. But um, he is fighting Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray is a guy who's having a little bit of a resurgence himself. You know, he had uh, two losses to Paul Felder and Cajun Johnson, and now he came back and beat Justin Ayari in a fight that I believe I bet a little bit on Jesse Justin Ayari at Dog Money. But... It is what it is. Stevie Ray comes in, uh, gets a hard-fought victory there over Justin Iardi. Um For me, it's going to be interesting to see if Stevie Ray is going to be able to keep this fight on the ground. Uh, or sorry, on the feet. Uh, with Leonardo Santos, um, I'm not too impressed by his ability to get the fight to the ground. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to, to trap Stevie Ray against the cage and kind of pull him down, maybe even pull guard or something like that. Um this is a stay away fight for me, strictly because uh, of the long layoff for Leonardo Santos. It's hard to tell if you know a guy comes back and he looks like a wrecking machine, or if he a guy comes back and 
uh, looks like complete ass, and especially a guy that's 39. So Leonardo Santos minus 204 right now. That's insane to me. Uh, Stevie Ray is definitely somebody to look into a little bit more, uh, especially if he can get like a plus 180, plus 175. It might be a decent bet. I haven't bet it yet. Might bet it. You know more than th- that's another thing. When I do these podcasts and break these fights down even further, uh, I see some spots that I feel like I may have been overlooking. So um, Stevie Ray is a possible another bet. Don't know yet. Uh, I'm going to say that he keeps the fight on the feet and beats up Leonardo Santos, um, keeping him on the outside. Um, well, not keeping him on the outside. <laughs> He is giving up a little bit of size, uh, but he is, you know, he's good with his footwork and his hands, and I believe that's enough to give Leonardo Santos. So I'm going to go with Stevie Ray here, uh, especially at that heavy dog money. Could be a possible bet. Next up, we got Tanya Evinger against Lena Landsberg. Avenger going off as a pretty heavy favorite, roughly around minus 265. Lena Landsberg around plus 200. Um, and Tani Avenger coming off an unfortunate loss to Aspen Ladd. Before that, she pretty much got her hazing to get into the UFC to fight uh, Cyborg Santos. Um, I thought the matchup for her against Aspen Ladd was a little tough. You know, she's going up against a much younger, more athletic and stronger woman in Aspen Ladd. Uh, in this fight against Lena Landsberg, she doesn't have to worry as much about the grappling here. I think this is a fight where she's going to be able to implement her grappling, uh, nullify Lena Landsberg's elbows, and nullify her striking. And I think that Tony Evinger, we're going to get like a, a, a vintage uh, Invicta FC Tony Evinger type performance. So I wouldn't be surprised to see like a, a submission here. Uh, but I think she's going to be able to get this fight down with relative ease uh, and get Lena Landsberg in a submission and get this fight done with. Um, I love Lena Landsberg. You know, she's very entertaining. She's fun to watch. Uh, however, she is lacking in certain areas, and it was pretty evident in, in her Yana Kunitskaya fight. So if Yana Kunitskaya was able to do that to her, I expect Tony Avenger to have pretty easy of a night with her, uh, and I believe she's going to win. So I'm going to take Tony Avenger by second-round submission. Pretty quick and concise because I'm pretty... Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, Daniel Tamor against Sunbin Joe. Uh, I want to make sure I'm saying that right before I get yes, yeah, Sungbin Joe. Uh, Sungbin Joe, the Korean Falcon, is coming in as a champion in TFC Kudlun fight. Pretty much anywhere he's fought, he's been a champion. Um, level of competition. Uh, <laughs> uh, seven and four, his last guy. Before that, twenty and nine, two and three. 0 and 5, 0 and 3, 0 and 0, 0 4 and 2, 3, 15 and 2, and 1 and 0. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's an entertaining fighter. You know, he likes to keep the fight on the feet. Uh, it's, it's fun to see him uh strike you know sometimes he's a little bit wide with his shots uh leaves his chin up there and i think that's something that daniel tamar is going to be able to find uh i don't expect this fight to go long uh which is why i think that uh you know 
Daniel Tamer will be able to find success here. I think the wild nature that Sung Bin Jo brings at times uh, is going to be a bad recipe for a guy like Daniel Tamer who thrives off the counter-striking and can throw with as much heat as he does too. So uh, you, you guys have seen me in the past. You know, I've never been too high on Daniel Tamer because I've always ragged on him for his gas tank and how shitty his gas tank is. Uh, I believe I cashed on Chris Fishgold last time he fought him. Uh, and I think that the Sung Bin Jo fight uh, is just perfect for him. It's perfect for him to get that victory, especially in his home country of Sweden. Uh, I think he's going to land uh, efficiently on Sung Bin Jo in that first round and then possibly get a second round finish. Uh, I believe it was in the last fight. Yes, the last fight Sung Bin Jo had yet. He had his calf pretty much torn up from rounds one to four and then eventually found the finish uh in round four so he, it was a fight that i don't think he was winning however uh i think that uh this fight um is is, is a bad is a bad stylistic matchup for me i don't think he's ever fought somebody as technically sound as a daniel tamer and who's had as much credentials in kickboxing as he has had so luckily for david or daniel tamer he's somehow getting another shot in the ufc after losing three straight fights he hasn't won a ufc fight um so i think that uh this might actually be his his chance to get that victory and i think that he's going to again He's going to tear up Sung Bing Jo's legs uh, and then eventually get a KO. Uh, I think he's going to just, he's going to get him with the counter uh, and get the finish. So I, I'm going to say second round KO for um, for Daniel Tamor. All right, let's move the fuck along. We got Demir Hadzovic against Christos Yagos. Starting off with Demir Hadzovic. He's coming off of two victories, two straight wins. Uh, Nick Hine. Uh, he won a split decision there, and then he finished Polo Reyes with vicious ground and pound uh, in the second round back in February of this year. Um, Christos Yagos brings a very interesting um, style to this because he is a guy that can strike uh, and then has the wherewithal to know when it, the right time is to take the fight to the ground. You know, he really showed that off in his last fight uh, where he was able to finish, or sorry, where he, where he was able to take a decision from Mizuto Hirota. Uh, you know, he really put it on him in those first two rounds. However, he showed a lot of lacking uh, in his gas tank uh, in that third round. Uh, I think a person with a little bit better um, ability to keep people off of them, uh, like a Demir Hadzovic, may have had more success in that third round than Mizuto Hirota was. Uh, Hadzovic is a strong guy. Um, you know, he throws with heat, uh, you know, rips the leg very consistently. Um, I think that it's going to be a close fight for roughly a round and a half, but I think that Demir Hadzovic is going to start, um, you know, wearing on Christos Chiagos. And especially in this last fight against... Um, Polo Reyes, he really showed uh, his diverse abilities as a mixed martial artist, getting this fight to the ground in, a, in probably a way that Polo Reyes was not expecting. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty certain that Polo Reyes was expecting a striking heavy game plan from Demir Hadzovic, but nope, switched it up on him, level changed at the perfect time, got the fight to the ground, and then especially in that second round, got him down again, uh, and then got the finish. So, uh, I think that Demir Hazovic and Christos Yagos are, uh, I would give the slights, like the variety of striking uh, to Christos Yagos, um, but the power and uh, still he pretty good technique from Demir Hazovic uh, is going to be able to hold up a Yagos, but I think it's going to come down to the pace and the cardio. And I think that's where Demir Hazovic is going to be able to take over <coughs> over the, you know, the last 
round and a half to round. Um, and I could definitely see Demir Hadzovic finishing him late. So I'm going to take Demir Hadzovic and by a third round. Um, I'm going to see, I, I'm, I love the progression that we've seen from Hadzovic since his UFC debut against Maribak Tysimov, which was just another hazing like Yoel Lavarez uh, fighting fucking Demir Ismagulov in his first fight. Welcome. You're fighting Maribak fucking Tysimov in your first fight. So uh, we're going to see some progression from Demir Hadzovic, and I think it's going to be evident in this fight, but I think we see a third round finish for Demir Hadzovic. <coughs> Next up, we got Makwan Amir Khani versus Chris Fishgold. I said this off the top. Very intriguing matchup. So we got uh, Makwan Amir Khani coming off a win over Jason Knight over a year ago. It's interesting to see why he. Uh, only takes like roughly a fight a year. 20, 2016 he fought once, 2017 he fought once, 2018 he fought once, and now it's already halfway through 2019 and he's fighting once. So um, he's always been an interesting prospect, uh, very good wrestling, uh, very very much improving boxing as well. He has a very crisp one too, uh, but sometimes he keeps his chin up there, and that's going to be some issues, especially with the guy who throws with such heat as Chris Fishgold. I'm interested to see how the grappling is going to work out because I believe that Fishgold has more of a pressure style. Um, he's going to be the one coming forward, I think. Um, I think he's going to be the one landing his bombs too. He might have to, uh, you know, take a couple shots, but I don't think that Makwan Amir Khani possesses that much power uh, in his hands to finish a guy like Chris Fishgold. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see a Calvin Cater type of performance from Fishgold. I think he's going to be very successful uh, and, you know, pushing the pace, um, getting the battle of the grappling exchanges uh, and possibly even catching and finishing Makwan Amerikani because he throws with a lot of fucking heat. You know, he had a lot of success with Calvin Qatar, Qatar earlier in the fight, um, but uh, I think it's going to be different for Makwan because Makwan just, his style of his boxing, it's yeah, it's nice and crisp. He has a great one too, uh, but he does keep his chin up a little bit, and I think that's going to be concerning for a guy who throws looping hooks like a Chris Fishgold and just that fucking little ball of power that he is, uh, I think it's going to be trouble trouble for Makwan, and I don't know if he's going to be able to get the better of the grappling exchanges because uh, I think I'm going to probably side that with Chris Fishgold as well. So I'm going to take Fishgold by uh, second round submission. I'll take him by submission. Uh, I think he gets a guillotine choke on uh, Makwan Amerikani probably second round. I'm taking Chris Fishgold. Next up, we got Jimmy Manoa versus Alexander Rakic. Jimmy Manoa coming off of three straight losses. Volkan Uzdemir, 22-second knockout. Jan Blachowicz, uh, and then amazing, ridiculous war against Thiago Santos back in December of this uh, of this past year. So, took roughly six months off. He's right back at it. Do I think that's enough time for him to recover off of his chin issues? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think he's going to be in big trouble here against Alexander Rakic. Uh, you know, not a lot of people know who Rakic is, but he is deservedly the favorite here. I think that he has an advantage in power, athleticism, overall game. You know, his ability to get this fight down whenever he wants to, I think is going to be a big issue here. I think it's going to come down to Alexander getting this fight to the ground and completely pounding out Jimmy Manoa. It pains me to say that because I've been such a big Jimmy Manoa fan since the moment he stepped into the octagon. Um, but age is catching up to him. Chin is catching up to him. And Alexander is just on a fucking strut, like just on an amazing run right now. 
uh, 27 years old, just a fucking budding prospect. And I think this is going to be the first big name under his belt. And uh, it's going to be very, very decisive. Um, so I'm going to take Rakic by first round KO. Um, I could see it being on the ground. Um, but I'm not going to... I'm not. With Jimmy Manoa, he does pack power. That's one of his things. So uh, I could definitely see him touching Rakic. And, you know, people can say what they want about Devin Clark dropping Rakic twice. In my opinion, it was only once. It was more so of an off-balance push that got Rakic down after a big start from Devin Clark. Uh, but that second one, yes, that was absolutely a drop. Uh, but Rakic got his senses back pretty quickly. Um, and he was uh, able to, you know, turn the tide. I, I trust his chin. I absolutely trust his chin, and I think that he, uh, he, he. This is a really great spot for Alexander Rakic, uh, and I think he's going to burst onto the scene. I'm going to say first round ground and pound TKO for Alexander, motherfucking Rakic. Next up, we got Volkan Uzdemir against Ilir Latifi. Uh, some people want to say that Volkan Uzdemir has made some strides in the Dominic Reyes fight. He looked better than he did in the Anthony Smith fight. I agree. Um, I had money on Volkan Uzdemir there and it, uh, against Anthony Smith, and that was very discouraging when that happened the way it did. Um, for me, it's going to be interesting to see how Volkan deals with the leader of Latifi's wrestling. Um, you know, Latifi doesn't lean on the wrestling as much as a guy with his acumen probably should, but I think in this fight, he knows that it's pretty obvious that Volkan Uzdemir will have the most success on the feet. That's where he's going to be able to utilize his power more. So what the fuck do you do? Get as close to him. Uh, get him to the ground uh, and, you know, take away his power. Uh, beat him up on the ground. Um, I think Latifi could easily grind this fight out uh, if he leans on that strike or on the grappling. If he fucks around too long on the feet, it's going to make, you know, people backing him pretty worried. And I would completely understand why because we have seen Latifi with chin issues in the past. Um, and a guy who packs as much power as Volk and Ozdemir, um, you know, you got to hope that Latifi gets this fight to the ground ASAP. And I am not sold on Volkan Uzdemir's wrestling. And uh, we've heard from numerous people, including DC himself, how strong of a wrestler Leo Latifi is and how just strong the motherfucker is. Uh, so I think that he's going to have success with his wrestling here. Uh, and I think he's going to be able to grind out a decision over Volkan Uzdemir. So I'm taking Ilya Latifi to bounce back from that loss to Corey Anderson back in December. That moves us right the fuck along to our main event. The return of the Mahler Alexander Gustafson against Anthony Smith. Weird fight. I'm not going to get into it as much as I did right off the top of my quick thoughts of this. Um, but Gustafson coming off a loss to uh, John Jones, a complete 180 from the fight that he had with John Jones the first time around. It kind of just looked like he gave up or John Jones just said, fuck it, let's take over, gets this fight to the ground and absolutely pounds out Alexander Gustafson. Uh, and then with Anthony Smith, we get a five-round decision of John Jones just picking apart Anthony Smith. Not really get, going too hard for the finish, but just picking you apart and getting the victory there. So, um... So this is pretty much like a... You can't really say that Anthony Smith will deserve another title shot if he gets a win over Alexander Gustafsson. I think that um, if Smith wins here... I, I think the odd man out is Corey Anderson. You know, Whoever wins here should fight Corey Anderson. And I think that's how you can get a legitimate number one contender. May it be Alexander Gustafsson again? I don't know. May it be Anthony Smith? 
maybe people would be a little bit more warm to that one rather than the Alexander Gustafson fight. I don't know. Um, but again, you got to get Corey Anderson in there to fight the winner of this fight. Um, I don't think they're going to give Corey Anderson a title shot after this Tiago Santos and John Jones fight. Uh, so, bleh. Um, but with this fight, with Gustafson and Anthony Smith, you know, Gustafson really likes to implement his his long-range striking, uh, the beautiful finishing technique he had over Glover Teixeira in round five of all rounds as well uh, was a thing of beauty, just a triple uppercut, and then finally puts Glover down. Um, you know, he has a lot of skills on the feet, and he's slowly getting better with his grappling too. Uh, you know, he was able to get John Jones down a couple fights or you know, the first time they fought, so that was a big thing, uh, you know, the way he beat Jan Blahovic as well, you know, didn't look like the world beat Alexander Gustafsson, we knew, but was still able to implement his, uh, his grappling, uh, and his clinch game, and win a victory that way too, uh, with Anthony Smith, I think this is where, you know, size is another reason why it's going to be tough for Anthony Smith to, to, to thrive, or be a top three guy at light heavyweight, because I think that, you know, just, how big Alexander Gustafsson is, I think he's going to be able to get Anthony Smith down. Uh, I think he'll have even, you know, a lot of success on the feet. I trust, I trust, uh, trust, <laughs> I trust uh, Alexander Gustafsson's chin. So I don't think that Lionheart's going to be able to pull out any type of, you know, weighted out to the third round and like overarm Gustafsson because I trust Gustafsson's uh, cardio as well. So I don't see how Anthony Smith really wins this fight. I think, you know, in all aspects of the MMA, Alexander Gustafson hasn't beat, you know, I don't know if, you know, the only thing you might be able to harp on here with Gustafson is where is his mentality, you know, yeah, he may be fighting again, but, you know, he knows that he's probably never going to be able to touch that gold as long as John Jones is in the 205 division, so does he just take these types of fights and, like, hopes that he lingers around at the top long enough that he can outlive John Jones at 205? Maybe, but he needs to get a victory here, and I think it's a very winnable fight. I think this this Anthony Smith Cinderella story is kind of coming to an end. You know, say what you want about the timing of some of these fights he's had against Rashad Evans, Shogun Hua, you know, the Volkan Uzdemir fight. He ended up getting a title shot. Bravo, good for him. But that just also shows you how thin this light heavyweight division is because there are guys that are on <coughs> ridiculous runs right now in other divisions. Seven wins, six wins in a row. Uh, you know, Anthony Smith puts together three wins and then gets a title shot. So, uh, with Gustafson, I don't think his uh, Anthony Smith's um, Cinderella story continues. I think we see, see Gustafson. I think we see Gustafson uh, kind of toying with him on the feet uh, and probably get like a later fourth round uh, finish, probably ground and pound TKO. Uh, but I think it'll be an entertaining fight. I think Anthony Smith will be in it for the maybe first round and a half or so. But I think that Gustafson is slowly just going to take over with the striking uh, and then get the finish in the fourth round. Uh, yeah, I got Gustafson in fourth round. Plain and simple. That's it. That's a wrap, baby. We're back for the MMA Lawcast. Thank God. Felt like forever. Um, we'll be back again next week to go over UFC 238, which is a big motherfucking event. I can't wait for that. And then after that, there's a week off. And then after that, June 22nd, we got nine straight events. So money, 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 money. I think that's nine times, regardless. Um, I'm I'm super excited. I want to keep this run going, especially when, since I changed my style of, you know, adding in just regular bets now. Everything's going fucking great. Um, you know, 
me saying that, hopefully knock on wood, <coughs> we keep this ball rolling. Again, like I said, I'll probably have at least six bets for UFC uh, Stockholm this weekend. Five of them are already posted. And my one free bet, sorry, I did not go over it. Uh, I skimmed over it. Uh, it was um, David Ta- or sorry, Daniel Tamor and Sung Bin Joe. Fight does not go to decision. I have two units at minus 175. That is my free bet. I input it on betmma.tips accidentally as a free pick. Regardless, I'll give it out as a free pick. I'm not going to, you know bother my guy uh mike to like change the website just so i can get it as a block pick uh so enjoy the free pick hopefully it wins you guys money hopefully it's enough to bring you guys back and trust me with your money some more uh but i also again besides that i have four other picks posted um and i got one more probably coming up in the next couple days but we're killing it mmalotn.ca for everything you need uh combative stores uh the last episode that we just recorded on this past friday is about to come out very shortly hopefully tonight the day tomorrow i'm not sure very shortly i promise you guys are going to enjoy it as well we had a whole segment on game of thrones um because me and tony fucking love that show uh so if you guys want to relive it a little bit make sure you guys watch that uh and then we also cover um volkanovsky although you know the whole featherweight shake up now with all the matchups being announced uh and then i can't remember what the last topic was uh regardless uh, i think that uh you guys will enjoy it and the leadership listenership is going up as well uh on a podcast to podcast basis so we want to keep that growing as much as possible but that's pretty much about it i gotta shut the fuck up i've been talking for too long at mmalotn on twitter for everything you need from me all my thoughts everything i just fucking it's my diary and you guys can hit me up in my diary whenever the fuck you want. So um, my DMs are always open. Hit me up. Uh, that's about it. I think so. Hit me up in the comments below. Let's fucking chat. Let's talk some shit. Whether you want to hate, whether you don't want to. It's all good. Uh, or whether if you want to tell me you're wrong. You know who you are. Um, yeah. Like, subscribe. Do all this shit. I'm done. I'm out. Peace. Peace.